Good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, April the 12th, 2021, here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. I'm the Associate Pastor Jonathan Henderson. I'm joined with our uh, I'm joined by rather our youth pastor Jeremiah Custer, children's pastor Blake Flincham, and our senior pastor Jeff McCarthy. And uh, good to be with you here on this <clears throat> beautiful Monday. It's obviously spring. I'm clearing my throat. It's uh, pollen season, fellas, and you can feel it. Uh, but we've, we've, uh, we've moved past Easter, and uh, here on Monday Main Point, we like to go back and look at the Sunday morning message and just kind of break it down a little bit, spend a little time uh, look, going, doing a little bit of a deeper dive into the, into the sermon. And this past sermon... Um, uh, was uh, moved us from Easter into uh, into more uh, actually I think a very practical message, Jeff. <clears throat> uh, excuse me, uh, very practical message. Had a lot of um, a, a good message for the church, and it's on the importance of being together. The importance of being together was the title, and this came the the, the central text came from Romans nine. Through Romans 1, 9 through 12, and I'll just read those verses since there's just a few of these. Um, it says, For God, whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about his Son, is my witness that I constantly mention you. And this is Paul speaking to the church at Rome. Always asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I want very much to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, to be mutually encouraged by each other, other's faith, both yours and mine. And really, um, out of that text, there were uh, sort of five practical points about that you brought out, Jeff, about the importance of coming together. And, and actually, this importance of coming together is, uh, is of note to us here at Rosa Sharon because Yesterday marked the first time we've been able to get together again as in, in these sort of small life groups. It's been well over a year since we've had in-person life groups. And so, um, uh, you know, it, it, it makes sense, this idea of coming together. But I, I want to start off by saying, because um, I, think, I think there's been a lot of misconception um, about people coming to, coming back together and, and, and coming together. We while we want to see people come together, Jeff, we also understand that some people aren't ready for that. Mm -hmm. And that's not really a mark against our faith, right? Right, right. And I think I've kept making that clear in the sermon as well as the blog I sent out, that we still know that this is a, a process that's going to take place. Or there's some people, because of their health reasons, they can't take the vaccine or or maybe they're, they've taken it, but they're still weary about getting sick or getting someone sick. You got a whole uh, population that you know don't have a vaccine if you're under a certain age and things like that, um, and so so uh, and then other people. I mean, uh, to be honest, and I talked about that in the, the the sermon too. Is is some people because they did check out. It's really hard to reengage, and, yeah. and for whatever reasons, it can be any number of reasons why they're hesitant about getting back involved. And so I really wanted to. Um, you know, I was looking for a passage, and I, I immediately thought about Paul when he said he, you know, he longed to see the Romans. He always wanted to go there. He wanted to be there in person with them. He wanted to help them out. And then he talked about being encouraged, encouragement to them and encouraged by them. And I thought, well, that would be the perfect kind of 
passage to go on because, you know, we hadn't seen each other a while. And what would be the main purpose and reason then that you would want to come back together? Mm-hmm. And um, so Paul gives that there. We just don't want to come just to be just to be showing up. And uh, and quite frankly, we don't want to come back and come back as we were and just go back into old patterns that maybe we did out of habit. We want to come back together for purpose and reason and kind of refresh your course of why why do we do come together? Why do right? You know, and, <clears throat> what, and what, the elements that he kind of used kind of fit into a a five point uh, uh, practical application. You know, to pray together, to meet each other, to have that face to face interaction, um, to to use our spiritual giftedness, mm-hmm. uh, to um, to grow together, grow together. You know, to be established. He wanted right. to make sure their faith was established, that he could build on that, and then finally that mutual encouragement that you right. have. Yeah, and um, so so it all kind of fit. I felt like for this Sunday, since we were going back to small groups, to to, to help reinforce the whole thing too. That um, to get that more intimate um, kind of growth that you want in mm-hmm. relationships you mm-hmm. want in the church, it has to go through a small smaller group setting. It can't be in a like worship service, right? Um, even if, in our case, like a worship service of 60 people, that's still too large to have an intimate uh, setting where you could actually share your struggles, your requests, and things like that. Right. And that, Jeremiah, that kind of gets, uh, gets me thinking along the lines of, you know, when we were sort of forced to to do just online only for a while, we were, we were and then even when we were able to open the doors for in-person worship again, in the building back in October, uh, it was at a limited capacity. We didn't see the whole, you know, we didn't see all of our numbers come back and things. But all this has given a time, and I know as pastors, we've talked about this quite a, quite a bit. It's given us time to rethink what is the church, right? And, and what, why do we come together? What is the purpose of, of the church? And I think when we're talking about things like this, when we're looking at these these five aspects, you know, praying together, meeting together, the importance of doing all those things that Jeff just mentioned. I think the importance really falls, would have to be, would have to stem from at least the purpose that the church, the purpose of the church. So in a nutshell, um, I know you've done quite a bit of study on this in, in the early days, especially of COVID. What would you say to, to our listeners that the purpose of the church is? Yeah. Like, why, do, why, why do we come together? Yeah, we come together, and I like I like Jeff's fourth point. It was uh, grow together, right? Mm-hmm. But we we come together to grow together, to pray together, all those five things. Uh, but once we got to the fourth point, I hadn't looked at the outline yet, and I was really hoping the fifth point was going to be uh, we we grow together and then we go together. Mm-hmm. Um, which that wasn't just just wasn't the point of the this sermon. It's actually not really in the text here. So. Yeah, I was going to say. That. Paul doesn't mention that in yeah. this particular text. But that's the purpose of the church, right? It's not just that we grow together, although that's important to encourage one another. That's super important for for what we do as the church. But really our purpose, Jesus gives us our purpose in Matthew 28 at the end, the Great Commission is to, to go into the world and to make disciples. Well, it's really hard to make disciples if you're not, being discipled and making disciples here at the church. So it, it works hand in hand with our mission, uh, but also that we go 
into the world and make disciples both out in the world and in the in the church so so you would say that part part of the part of the mission or the purpose of the church's existence is to make disciples yeah not part of it it just that is is, yeah it is the purpose of the church yeah it is the purpose of the church okay yeah just to clarify also folks i i apologize we are having some construction work done here at the church today so in the background, you might on occasion hear some clattering and some drilling and things like that. Uh, just uh, bear with us as we're, we're we're just outside of the area where we're doing all this. So I don't know if you can hear that or not, but uh, hopefully our voices are louder than the construction and it'll be fine. Um, yeah, so so if, if, the, if, the, if the purpose just is to make disciples, then I think those things that you mentioned in your message, Jeff, are need to be seen in that context, right? It's important. If we're going to, in other words, if we're going to make disciples, then it's important that we pray together. Mm-hmm. If we're going to make disciples, it's important that we meet together. Um, and I, let me, I know we start with pr- prayer in the, in the message. I kind of want to pause on meet because, and Blake, I, I talked about this in, in a group that we were with yesterday. How often do we hear people all the time say things like, even before COVID, say things like, "Oh, I don't, I don't need to meet. I don't need to go to church. I can. I, me and Jesus are just, you know, me and Jesus got our own thing going, right? There's a there's a song that says that. Me and Jesus got our own thing going, and all I need is the Bible, and I can get just as much church here at my home in my Bible as I can meeting with those people down the road. Um, what's what are some of the things? There are many things, but what are some of the things, Blake, that's wrong with that that way of thinking? Yeah, well, I think at the basis of first, uh, Scripture tells us in Hebrews to not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. So, uh, you know, Scripture's pretty clear, like, to come together. And also, I think we really just have to look at the person of God. Like, we as Southern Baptists and Evangelicals believe in the Trinity, and we believe that God has always existed and always will exist in community, the triune God. So if God exists in community, that means we should as well if we're Christians. Mm. And that's, that's the, I would say that's the basis of why we do that, is if God lives in community, we should as well. And, and you see the members of the Trinity complement each other, and that's how we should complement each mm-hmm. other. Um, you know, because like the Son and the Father and the Spirit might have some different roles, but and we can have different roles, and we can come together and really fulfill the Great Commission. So I would just encourage somebody, look, God lived in community. You saying that you don't need community, I think that's a deeper heart issue with pride, to be mm-hmm. honest. Or there's something, that, there's something deeper there that I would love to have a conversation with that person about. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've been hurt by the church and they're using that as an excuse or something. I'd love to have that conversation. Yeah. Jeff, can can uh, can you have church alone? I mean, is it is it is it possible or is it is it sinful to have church alone? Do you think? I mean, what 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 would you say to someone who says, "Well, I can I can do this. I can do this by myself." Well, if you're in solitary confinement and all you have is a Gideon Bible, yes. Okay. Yes. But like Blake was saying, we were created for relationship. And it, it, I started thinking about that because I think it's a cop out to people say, well, I'm just, I can do this on my own. Take the, take the Ethiopian eunuch. 
He was mm-hmm. one person that became a Christian, mm-hmm. and he went back to Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Now, we never hear from him in the Bible what happened, but through church history, we know a church developed in Ethiopia. Right. He went back and shared, and whatever spiritual gift God gave him, he used mm-hmm. to, to, to create a church. So, so because we, ha- we, we are Christians, and we are given spiritual gifts, we have to exercise those gifts, I can't do that by myself. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. If that's what it was about, then why don't God just go ahead and beam us up? You know, once you become a born-again Christian, just do the transformation, and we're done with it. Right. We don't need anything else. So I think a lot of the our individualism from Americanism mm-hmm. comes into play in the church a lot. I do, too. And then I think a lot of people, because if somebody really did what they said, like I got my Bible and I'm by myself and I can read. I think if they started doing that, they really were serious about it. They would eventually say, "Hey, I've got to get some other people to to get to get some of this stuff and share it and spread it because it's just too good for me to keep." So, you know, that's the whole purpose of the church is we 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 like the individual aspect of it, and we know people are saved individually. But right. once you're saved, there is a corporate aspect of it, a community aspect of it that, that we have to have in order to fulfill our role as a as a part of the body of Christ yeah, right. and a believer. And yeah, one so. of uh, one of my professors says once we're saved, we're saved into the church and on to mission. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of piggybacks off what you were saying. Right yeah, I, I, um, I, I want to go back to gifts in just a second because I think mm-hmm. something you said is really important. But for, before I do that, I think it's I think it's interesting to note too um, I, I picked up on this because of the character study I'm doing right now on, on Wednesday nights, where we're looking at all the, the biblical characters and um, take, we're, we're looking in prophets right now. And in particular, I was looking at Ezekiel last week. And um, one of the things that's really interesting is when you look at Judaism, so Judaism as a whole, you see lots of sort of groupthink that's going on. So, if, so in other words, if, if, if I. A lot of times the, the, the wrath of God is being poured out on a group of people because a group of people, like God's people as a whole, have broken some covenant, some part of the covenant, right? Mm-hmm. God, the assembly of God's people are guilty as a group, right? When you get to Ezekiel, you begin to see some individualism coming out. So the idea is now... One man, like he talks about being the God says you're the watchman on the wall. You, Ezekiel, are going to be held responsible for 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 what your actions. And it's interesting because I think you're right. So much of what we do, we key in on that individual thing, and certainly there's individual responsibility. But we've lost this notion, I think, Jeremiah, in some ways of as a thinking of ourselves as a as a body of believers, right? Yeah. And even even as sort of. Um, I mean, is there is there a notion of group sin? Does, does that make sense? Like, or, or should we just look at it just as individuals? I'm not saying in a salvific kind of way. I'm talking about as a group. Are we held responsible, say, for instance, Rosa Sharon Baptist Church, are we held responsible as a church for what we do as, as a body of believers? What do you think? Yeah, so if there's group responsibility then there has to be group sin, right? It's just 
it's just another thing which we we have we're responsible for as a church doing certain things right and so so to go back to your question of like can an individual be a church i think the answer is no i I like your example of solitary confinement but that's being separated from certain freedoms that god has given you to have what about somebody who is uh, i don't know what, what you've got these in, instances where someone's uh uh well even then I guess it would I was I was gonna say someone in a foreign country who comes to Jesus and he's the only one that's that's come to Jesus like in his country or something or you know some guy some lone guy Christian in well, the only way you would know that is if he said it right so that's what I'm saying that's why I did the Gideon Babel thing because I've been to many many Gideon banquets and they always have the stories and they tell the read the letters and all. It always is some one person somewhere getting a Bible and reading it, but then their story is told. Yeah. So somehow or another, they had to tell someone. I yeah. think I think that's just part of it. If if you have it, and unless you're just <laughs> unless you're deserted on the island, or like I say, solitary confinement where you can't see anybody. What if you're, okay, anything. what if you're bed fast, something like that, in a, in yeah. a nursing home? Would that I mean would that count? Would we say yeah, I mean, person? I mean, yeah. So, so it's kind of like uh, under the circumstances, does is the Holy Spirit there, and can you still have communion with God and still worship God, still pray for people? I mean, you can pray for people. Say so, yeah, so you could technically yes, you could do everything that we talked about because I said you could do every one of these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, even today we can meet together without being in person. Right. With Zoom and stuff like that. Sure, but even so, then, I would, I would, I would count that as being together, even if it's not together in person. I would still count that as being gathered. Like if someone, if someone's jumping, I, because right, but it's still not it's, the same. No, it's not the same. Not no, the same. no, I'm not it's saying not it's not like you can't get the, you can't really see the person and get the, the. No, uh, but the notion of and all. I would still say that that's meeting together. Well, why, yeah. What? So, so well, I'm just saying that even at Zoom, it's not. It's not 100% the same thing as, like, we're sitting around a room talking to each other. No. And we could be doing the same thing in our offices, but we, we still wouldn't have, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't really get the energy and the uh, emotion and everything that, that it comes across differently once you watch it on a, a video. A little bit. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. So, I, so I think there's some, so I think there's some people yeah, who are still stuck. meeting. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if there's people that can't get to church or be part of a body for whatever circumstances they are. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about people that, and, and that's what we we said too, that there's going to be some people that just aren't ready. Right. We, have to, we have to be patient with them. But we do want to see them. We do want them to be part of us. And we are still going to do the online for them to have that experience but we're talking about people that your whole uh explanation was some guy just says right. hey i got my bible and that's different i got my family yes. we don't need to come to church so so that's a different premise it's a different premise i, so that's I why entirely. i said you know that's why i threw in solitary confinement meeting right or if i'm you know in a in a, a paraplegic in a room and i don't have anybody else but just the people that take care of me, um, right? You know, th- things like that. But right. I, so, so going back to the, I, I'm sorry, I, I, yeah. I derailed that completely. Yeah. That's all you, right. were, you were talking about. <laughs> do we have do we have responsibility as a group? Yes. Go, go yeah, I do think we have responsibility as a group. Like, because going back to the purpose of the church is that we make disciples, 
individuals, if you're going to just be an individual, you cannot make disciples. It's it just, you could disciple yourself, I guess, but mm. that'd be, you'd be hard pressed to, to convince me that that is what the purpose of, of Christ's commission for the church is. So uh, two things as individuals, it's going to be really hard to exercise spiritual gifts. Let's say you're, you have the spiritual gift of teaching, <laughs> but you're, you're by yourself. How you how do you exercise that or spiritual gift of encouragement or mercy? Just all of those spiritual gifts seem to be tied to you uh, interacting with other people, including giving. Like who who are you giving to? Just yourself, right? Your little church that you built up or whatever. But I can. But Jeremiah, I can I can I can paint a painting in my room by myself. I you know if I'm a gifted painter. I can sing a song in a room by myself if I'm a gifted singer. Um, I can play the piano in a room by myself to God if I'm a gifted piano player. Isn't that using a like? Isn't that a spiritual gift? Isn't? Am I not? You know, I can do those in isolation. All of those aren't spiritual gifts. At least gifts listed in the uh, listed in the Bible. And I don't. I don't think those are gifts. I think those are talents. And I think you should use your talents uh, as a means to worship God. But they're not gifts that God has given you for the church, for the building up of the church. Uh, I think the church can exist without paintings. The church can exist without even worship, without even music. Uh, but the church cannot exist without spiritual gifts. So when you're talking about spiritual gifts, you're talking about something different than talent, obviously. Yeah. So when a, when a, when a, guy, when a football player says, you know, I'm... You, I'm going to use my. I'm using my my ability to run. You know, run this ball across the, you know, across the goal line for God. That that's not a spiritual gift. No, I mean, there's plenty of people who aren't even Christians who can do that. <laughs> uh, there's plenty of painters who aren't even Christian who can make beautiful art. Right. Right. What we would call beautiful. So no, those are just talents. And I like I said, I think you should use those talents to the best of your ability, do everything for God's glory, but those aren't spiritual gifts, and they're not essential to the church. I believe that spiritual gifts are essential to the church. Okay. Um, and all of those spiritual gifts, I've listed a few. There's probably 15 clear ones from Scripture. Uh, I've listed a few, but... Um, I think Paul had about six in his explanation in Romans 12 that he used later on. Yeah, I what with proclamation and mercy... Yeah. Service, teaching, yeah. giving, encouraging, encouraging, leadership. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's six or seven. Of those yeah, like if you're a gift of leadership, who are you going to lead if you're by yourself? Right, right. All right, Jeff, come on, man. <laughs> this is your day today. We're going to just sit here at home and I'm gonna spend encourage, time with God. I'm using my gift of encouragement to encourage but, myself. <laughs> but you know, if the pizza guy comes or if the Guy shows up with the, my delivery. Do not talk to them about God. Do not make any effort to, you know. Yeah. That's kind of what you're saying is I'm, I've got this gift and this salvation and this this spirituality, but I'm just, I'm just it's like I'm just going to eat the birthday cake myself. Yeah. I'm not going to share it with anybody. So wait, but Blake, does everybody get a spiritual gift or is it only just the gifted that get spiritual gifts? I would say that every Christian has a spiritual gift. And it should be used to the utmost glory of God. Okay, so every Christian has at least one. Every yeah. Christian, I would even say at least even every... even the youngest of Christians, like even even if you know an eight year old gets saved here at Rosa Sharon, 
you're going to say they've got a spiritual gift that they should be using for the church. I would say so, yeah, and especially for kids in my kids' ministry because if they're like if they're saved and they're gifted, they need to be using it. And now it, maybe it's to their friends at school. Maybe it might not. You know, look, I'm not going to ask an eight year old to be on my children's committee or any or anything like that. But I would say in in their retrospect, yeah, they should use their gift. Well, and it could be it's not developed yet or it's not apparent yet. Uh, it's just like any any new Christian, whether you're 40 years old or 14. Mm-hmm. Eventually, as you as you uh, as you interact with the body, mm-hmm. then those gifts will become evident to people. Mm-hmm. Where they'll say, you know, you seem to be real good at serving. Could would you help being an usher? Or you know, you really you really have this gift of um, you know mercy. Can, would you mind being on the prayer list? prayer team Mm -hmm. so 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 yeah they're there but they not may not be fully developed and so i think that's what happens to people when they're a christian if they don't interact with church and they don't exercise their spiritual gift then it's like uh having a uh, a gift then that that's not developed um you know, then what good is it? Well, if you're not going to exercise and use it, then what good is the mm-hmm. good? And I think to, I guess, fully answer your question, I'm not sure if you would say an unbeliever has a spiritual gift, but I think you can look at some stuff and say, hey, look, if you were a Christian, and obviously that's uh, inferring that you're sharing the gospel with them, mm-hmm. I think you can look at somebody like, man, if they really, if they let Christ transform their life, they could be used in this way. I think of Paul. Like mm-hmm. Paul said, he was zealous. Mm-hmm. He was zealous before Christ, and he was also zealous after mm-hmm. he had been saved. I mean, he had wrote what thirteen books, discipled a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I don't know that when you ask everybody has a spiritual. I don't know that you would say that for unbelievers. Thing y'all might could add to that a little bit. Right. Well, you there see, are some you see traits and talents yeah. and abilities that could be that useful. people can have, but but a spiritual gift yeah. until they actually. I mean, you see somebody. You might think like maybe some gentleman was like this great business person. Yeah. But that's not his spiritual gift in the church. Right. His spiritual gift in the church is serving. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're, like they're just like. They humble themselves, and you're like, wait a minute, that guy's this brilliant businessman, but he's humbling himself and over here being a servant because that's his spiritual gift. But what we would do is we would say, no, we don't we don't want you to do that job. We want you to serve on our committee since you're a businessman and lead us that way. And yeah. so we've got somebody outside their gift in this trying to, uh, trying to put them into a place where they're not really serving out their gift. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I'd be kind of cautious to say, you know, lost people had gifts and stuff like right, that. Right, right, right. So, so, uh, so, so, uh, thinking, thinking about this too. Is a spiritual gift that? Do you think that? Because uh, and, and this sort of plays into what you're talking about, Blake. So you're saying, and you know, I can look at this guy, maybe infer he's going to be so and so. Well, let me ask. I'll ask JC. JC, can can someone's spiritual gift change based on like, um, you know? If I go to if if I'm a member at Church X, but for whatever reason, you know, through life circumstances, whatever, I go to Church Z over here in another state, is my spiritual gift going to be the same, or could it be possible that God would gift me in a different way for the church? Yeah, so it could be, but I don't think it necessarily is. So 
basically the question is, is our spiritual gifts static? Mm-hmm. Once you receive one, do you have it forever? I just don't think, I don't think that's the case. But when you think of things like leadership and teaching, those are things that, like Jeff said, they kind of develop over time. And once you've developed into the teacher using the spiritual gift or develop into the leader using the spiritual gift, you're not going to lose that per se. But I actually believe that the gifts are given not to individuals, but to the church. Mm-hmm. And so that God gives individuals, <clears throat> sure, um, and then places them in the church so that the church may, the church is able to have every single spiritual gift. They're not left with without an arm. For right, instance, so you, it's, not, it's, not like I, it's not like we as a church look around and go, you know, like a basketball team go, man, we're really missing a mercy guy. Can we get? Can we go and recruit a mercy guy here? We need a mercy guy, <laughs> yeah. right? It's or or you know we we we're we're really weak in the in the you know in the in the service department. Uh, let's go and and see if we can't you know Jeremiah go out there and recruit a service guy. We need some service people. Yeah, I think we do that some. Maybe we shouldn't be. But when you talk about leadership and the pastor preaching, teaching, mm-hmm. uh, that's what your committee is looking for, right? Like yeah. we need this guy who's gifted in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some of that, but I think in general, let's say in the interim period, let's say we don't have a pastor, I think that there's someone that God would lead to step up into that role. Mm. And so just because they haven't been a pastor or haven't been trained, I think that God could still uh, uh, gift someone so that they can step into that role, at mm-hmm. least for an interim period, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I believe, you know, that we're all given one primary gift that, that kind of is there. But I think we do have secondary gifts. And then I think God gifts us in various situations and times. Like some people would say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I'm never going to tell anybody about Jesus. Yeah, well, yeah. If we did that, then then we would be in trouble because right. we all have to, we are, we're all called to be evangelists. Other people just are so gifted in it that it just comes naturally uh, or supernaturally to them, if you want to use that term. And then, so like for me, for example, um, I don't really have the gift of mercy. I don't know if you recognize that in me or not. No, no. But I I do need it, and I do, uh, at times in my life, it does does operate in my my, uh, life. Uh, because I need to have that gift that particular time. Right. So, uh, but in an ordinary day in day out, I'm not going to be the person that's going to be the one you're going to come to. Like, hey, uh, we need somebody with a gift of nurse, mercy to come talk to this person. You know, it may not be me. Right. Now I may have to say, okay, God, you're going to have to you have to help me make my way through that. Uh, so. So I think there's a cop-out that people used about, like, you know, I, I'm going to stay at home to my church. We do the same thing with spiritual gifts. Right. And we got to be careful about that. So let me, let me ask a, a kind of a fun question here. Because there's, in, in, in the secular culture right now, there's a big, there's, a, there's sort of a big resurgence or, or a big push, especially if you're on social media, on these personality tests, right? Enneagrams and such. Mm-hmm. That, and... and and there's been some pushback against personality tests. Um, I was I'm actually am watching a documentary about this. And it's fascinating to me. But there's been some pushback against that because for some people, especially if you're uh, uh, businesses, you sometimes will use a personality test 
to determine whether or not they should hire a certain individual or not. And some people are saying, well, should we even be using these tests? Can a test really, um, you know, is, is it wrong to box somebody into this box, right? Mm. We do, and I, I mean, the church churches have, I've, I've participated in this before. We do spiritual gift personality tests, basically, for, yeah. for like, a, like spiritual, spiritual, gift, spiritual inventories. gift inventories, yes. right? Um, and I mean, I've, I've done one of those before. Should we do those? Is there is there something wrong with doing that? Is it a, is, is, is it a useful tool or sh- do we put too much emphasis on a spiritual gift inventory as a as a way of, of, of uh, like, you know, are we boxing somebody in, in other words? I know a lot of my friends, we especially people my age, we do that like a lot. And I, are you talking about personality tests? Yeah, like personality tests, right. like Enneagram, and you know, a lot of people post like a... I'm, an, I'm how, an ENTFP, you know. Yeah, like <laughs> how to ENFP. love Enneagram 6s, how to love Enneagram 2s, things like that. Right. Like, I, me personally, I found... Especially on the dating scene. Well, <laughs> we're still working on that one. But, <laughs> but, but we, uh, I found them to be, I found them to be fairly helpful for myself. I don't think, I definitely don't think you should box anybody into that because I've taken one before, and somebody can look at that and be like, "That is absolutely wrong. We're retaking this test, and <laughs> we're going to do it right." And, and, and so, the danger is people try to answer them thinking, I want to answer it this way because I really want that spiritual gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually, I like them a lot uh, as long as you don't see them as static again. Right, right. So maybe you should do it once a year or whatever. But with Jeff's right, with the caveat of uh, I'm not boxed into something, but also you want to be extremely honest with yourself. Yeah. It's hard to do sometimes. But honestly, and I like them. I, mm-hmm. I strongly strongly encourage you to do one. But I believe that the best way to figure out what your spiritual gift is is to just begin serving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You start serving in the church. Uh, like I remember when I was a young believer, and this happens to youth all the time. We just start throwing them into everything. And that's not necessarily a bad approach. No. Um, but you find out real quickly when you when you're willing to serve in the church where you're gifted at and where you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just certain things where if if you're loathing it, if you if you can't stand doing it, you don't feel like you're doing a great job at it. It's probably because that's not where you're gifted, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't have to do that. Far too often the church puts people in positions because there's a need, because there's obligation, there's a duty, like. This person's willing, we're going to throw them in there. We'd rather place people in positions in the church based on their giftedness. But I think it's a process of trying to figure out what is my spiritual gift. And I love I love Jeff's example of the businessman. It, it, far too often we put them the businessman into a box like they've got to be oh, well, he, the leader oh, no he's going to be finance, finance committee. committee oh yeah it has to be finance yeah. committee chairman right? of the deacons yeah <laughs> when that just may not be their giftedness for the church mm-hmm. um, not saying they're not a great businessman um, <laughs> but for the church that may not be where they're gifted yeah and as far as personality tests go um if, if you were to put me in a box, I would never, ever be a pastor. It's just not, no, <laughs> no way is my personality necessarily conducive if you're just putting, like, roles into a box. Yeah. But, right. And, then, and, I, and I guess that's part of it. I, I, I had a, uh, I served under a senior pastor when I was in Kentucky 
who uh, was an introvert, you know, real, real introverted. And it would bother him when people would come up to him and they, they would say, oh, you're, you're, you're an extrovert, right? And he's like, well, no, I'm very introverted. Well, you can't be a pastor. He's like, well, yeah, I can. I just it means I have to step outside my comfort zone. Yes. But I can be an introverted pastor, yeah. um, and and still do the job that God's called me to do. And I think of Moses. I mean, the man, <coughs> he really couldn't. He really couldn't talk well or speak well in front of a crowd. But like God basically said, look, I'm going to equip you in this. I'm going to help you in this, and he ended up doing it anyway. So yeah, you know, with the Lord's help, you know. Obviously, an introvert can be a pastor. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. So let's talk. Um, what, what, I want to spend just the last little bit of time we have here with um, looking at that fifth point, Jeff, because I think part of, I think a big part of, of coming together is encouragement. Mm-hmm. I really like, um, and I I haven't done the Greek word study. Obviously, you did. I really like the Greek word uh, that you pulled out on encourage. Because it, it it has that root word that we see in in uh, Perikleo, um, which is the uh, to walk beside or to walk alongside of. It's the same word we use to describe the Holy Spirit when we can call him the the Paraclete, right? Yes. Um, and so comforter, the comforter, yes. right? The comforter, the, the, the and and so this idea of someone who I am right, or maybe I'm thinking I might be mixing my terms here, Jeremiah. But is that the same one that we use for advocate? Is is the walk alongside? Paracleo, yes, it is. Right, so that's not the that's not the same one we use for advocate, is it? No. Okay, I didn't think so. More of a legal term, but but because I'm thinking para, uh, what is para is beside, and Leo is walk, right? So it's been a while since took took Greek. Um, But so say he puts S Y M in front of Paracleo. S Y M, like symphony and all. So it's so it's to walk alongside together. Right, right. So we got the Holy Spirit walking with us, right. and then we then walk alongside with Him together. That's yeah. kind of like the, and we're trying to encourage each other too. Yeah. And I think it was important that Paul was trying to emphasize to them that, no, I'm not just coming there so I can be your preacher and we have a revival and, you know, church is on fire. I'm coming because I need I need you guys to encourage me too. Right. Right. So, uh, Jeremiah, I really like the example you used uh, yesterday. And for listeners who maybe weren't there, uh, talk a little bit about this idea. Because synergy is something we hear. It's a word it, for the longest time. It was a major buzzword in the business world. Um, because we do tend to, going back to what you said earlier, Jeff, about, about us in America, we tend to be very individualistic. Um, we tend to, and not just, and it's we're we're individualistic, even in the groups that we belong to. So, I'm an in, I, I'm, I'm very much about my my own space. But if I if I as an individual have joined together with these three other guys, I'm also very much about our space because I'm part of it. Mm-hmm. And rarely do I think of those people who are in other groups that I'm not a part of. Right. And so that's called siloing. Um, and so what happens in a lot of businesses, and I think happens in churches too, is you get a lot of these sort of silos, right? Where everybody's just concerned about their little individual space. Um, and I used this example yesterday when I was talking to our, uh, our group, of, uh, our, a small group I was with. We're talking about the same thing. Um, and it's not my example, but... Uh, a professor of mine, uh, Dr. McKinnon again, um, just 
made a distinction between uh, how we look at how the Holy Spirit fills us, right? So a lot of times we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit and we think of it as a, as a glass and a pitcher of water and then the, the Holy Spirit comes in and fills us up, right? And, and, and then that, that same pitcher of water fills up Jeremiah and that same pitcher fills up Blake and that same pitcher fills up Jeff. And so now we have four glasses of Holy Spirit on the table, right? But that leads to very individualistic thinking, right? That it's me and the Holy Spirit and you and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we're feeling the same thing, but it's still me. But it's still I'm, more, my, I'm more full of the Right, right. It's still my <laughs> vessel. And instead, the way he described it was it's more like a, like a spaghetti noodle or a thread that runs from, from me to Jeremiah to Blake to Jeff that runs through us and connects us to one another. And I think, remember, this gets into the example I want you to share, which is the, the idea of synergy, right? Yeah. This idea of synergy instead of silos. Uh, can, can you explain, uh, use that example you, you used yesterday at the end of the service and talk a little bit about the difference between synergy and silos in terms of encouragement? Yeah, so I'm going to do two. It might take me a second, but uh, I'll use two examples. One, because I like numbers, and that's the one I shared yesterday, so I'll try to be quick. But synergy is basically where two individuals or two entities uh, work together because they understand that they could they can do more together than they could if they were separate their separate uh, outputs mm-hmm. right so the example i used was weightlifting let's say you got one guy who can deadlift 400 and another guy by himself right that's his maximum mm-hmm. and when he puts all of his effort in he does 400 pounds you've got another guy who can deadlift 500 by himself that's his maximum lift he can't do any more by himself so you would think that, okay, let's put them both at the bar. Now we can now lift 900 pounds, right? Right. Well, what they find out is, is no. Because they're working together, their output is actually a whole lot higher than that. There's not a, I wish there was a formula to try to figure that out, but it doesn't work that that way. There's no formula to figure out how much they can do together. We just know that they can, and it's, it's significantly more. Does it increase exponentially with the more people that you add? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, obviously, it gets to a point where there's a like that there's restrictions, uh, right? Because sure. not enough people can touch the bar or, oh, or yeah. whatever. Right. Uh, for that example, right? But another example I think might work a little better, but for relationships, right? Is uh, and we like college basketball here, and right now is when all of the college uh, players are hiring agents. Mm-hmm. Well, why would you hire an agent? And so synergy works because uh, the basketball player believes that he could have a greater outcome if he doesn't do it by himself but uses an agent. Of mm-hmm. course, the agent believes that uh, we can, I can make this dude have, this, have more money and get him more, uh, all those things. So they, they join together because they think that if they stayed separate, the relationship wouldn't be as well, mm-hmm. wouldn't go as well. They, they don't think that they could succeed as much. Um, so the agent and the, the, the basketball player, he hires an agent because he thinks that in the long run, even though I have to pay this agent, mm-hmm. in the long run, this agent's going to help me produce even more than what I could have produced. You're right. And, and, and to, 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 to add to that example, 
part of the reason why the agent thing works is because that agent's already representing and tied to a bunch of other people, and those players then can also help promote this guy. Which is kind of what, you know, LeBron did with Miami. He recruited three or four stars to come with him, mm-hmm. say, hey, I'm going here, you come with me. We can build something together and make something happen. Right. So Whereas you- by himself... You know, just, and Michael Jordan was the same way. By themselves, they were superstars and all. Sure. But until they were able to set themselves aside and get other people in there to encourage them to use their talents and all those worldly things that we would say to be a team. You know, I think that's why it came to my mind when I was preaching about this transfer portal. I started thinking about it, how these guys weren't part of the community. They weren't yeah. part of the greater community. All they heard was the negative. And I... I, I I wish I would have developed it any more. Like that's the way we are at the church. Yeah, you know we 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 need to be part of a community, and like pastors, especially for us pastors, it's all we ever hear is just negative, 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 negative. Mm-hmm. We don't feel like anybody else is on the team, and we're not being encouraged. And is any wonder then that pastors don't why, stay at churches? Yeah, right? and so that's why that mutual encouragement is so important. Because at the same time, if if all we're doing is just pouring out into people and being there for people and ministering to people and nobody's ever pouring into us, then, you know, it's not doing us any good either. So mm-hmm. I think I think that was crucial. In, um, and I think, if, I think some of these younger players, especially like the freshmen and maybe sophomores in some of these schools, if they would have had that extra encouragement, that extra feedback, the extra, hey, we're on your side, and and then the crowd there and the noise and the cheering and everything, this season would have been totally, probably wouldn't have ended the way it ended now. It would have been a totally different season. For, for programs So like, that's kind of like a, it was kind of like a, a worldly example that you could say, that's what happens when, when yeah. you're not working together and you have the synergy so, and have all this stuff. So, yeah, I, 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 the way that uh, – uh, you know, no, no secret, Kentucky didn't have a great season either. Um, and one of the things that they said, uh, somebody said, is that these players missed all the positives of being yes. a part of, of yes. a U.K. basketball team, including all the things you're talking about, the, 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 the encouragement from the fans and, and just getting to interact with the fans yes. and having that community. And, and well, even, just even in the community with just the people going well, to the restaurants even, and all. They couldn't even get off campus to, to, no. to interact. Well, you know? like, like it was a cow or somebody said, if you ask my player where the – if I said, hey, I'm going to meet you at the cafeteria, they wouldn't even know where the cafeteria is. Right. Because they were all they were in, all in their little bubbles in a, in a place where they all stayed together. And on the flip side, this person said they missed all those positives but still get all the negatives. Yes. Because Twitter was still available. Yes. And these people were direct messaging these kids and just telling them what horrible players they were and how they were awful and, and, and you know, just weren't back. And, you know, so, and, and, and that's honestly the people who do that are a small minority. Or they were hearing but, from, but if yeah. that's all you ever yes. hear, it's really loud. Or they were hearing from their people that were maybe telling them things. Trying to trying to say you're bad, or, you know they they were on the flip side. They were maybe trying to encourage them, but they were making them feel like they were better than what they really were too. Yeah, and so they were hearing. So I think that that's why the church is important because if I think I got it all together and I show up at church, I'm gonna realize real quickly I don't have it all together. Right, and I need help, and I need each other, and I need encouragement. Uh, at the same time, if I, I've got to be able to to listen to other people. 
that can come into my life yeah. and talk to me and share with me and encourage me and hold me accountable and then I can do the same for others. And if we don't if we don't come together and we don't do that, then it's not going to work. Right. And, I, and, and just again, I really like this example the more I think about it. The people who have been, who have, for a year now, we've had people outside of the church who haven't been able to experience the positives. All these things we just mentioned, praying together, you know, yes. meeting together, growing together, using our gifts together, encouraging each other together. They've missed those positives. But any negatives that they've received have been amplified. They get amplified. And so now you've got people in this in in a, in a similar way with 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 these players we're talking about. I think you've got some people who I think that's the reason why Rayner says that we're going to lose twenty percent of yes. our of our church members because they've missed the positives of being involved in a Christian a you know in a Christian fellowship um, and have experienced nothing but the negatives of it and and. Uh, and that's just you know that, that's not good. Any negatives they would have experienced would have been amplified during this time. Um, I'm not I'm not saying anybody's been negative. Well, you think on, like on, on, well, on Facebook, but you get what I'm saying. Well, I mean, like just say for example, like uh, early in COVID, like when someone would die, normally they were isolated alone. The family couldn't even be there with them. And then right. the funeral, it was some of the funerals I did was just like me and the family right there at the graveside mm-hmm. and they were socially distanced and there was no there was nobody else there there was no other congregation of people there to show their support to show their love and to be there for people mm-hmm. so I mean you've had a whole year pretty much that right um, until you know here recently when we've able to have some funerals where actually more people were able to come so that's part of it too I mean just having that whole support system that's yeah. there. And what I don't want to happen is for the people that have been bubbled uh, to stay in the bubble mm-hmm. and feel like that we don't care, but we, we really do care. And that's why we keep making a plea every week. We'll come see you. Because right. I think Paul was stressing the fact. And he wrote a letter in case he didn't go to Rome. Mm-hmm. But he really wanted to go. He wanted to see him face to face. He wanted to have that interaction. Yeah. And I think that's what all of us really desire and want. Yeah. And we need. And so we're asking people, let us know. We will come, you know, but you got to let us know. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it for us uh, this week on Money Main Point. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back here again next Monday. Uh, I have no idea what the topic's going to be because we're not doing a sermon series right now. Uh, well, I'm thinking about talking about um, the Gadarean demoniac after. I'm not going to go into all the the thing that happened, but afterward when he wanted to go to Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus told him, go tell all your friends. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking about doing the latter part of that that. Uh, that passage and use it for us that now that we're able to be around people what are you what are you going to do what are you interested all right so cool i'm I'm interested i hope you are too uh we hope you join us next week or join us uh, in person if you can uh so thanks for tuning in this time and we'll see you next time so long